Hello, and welcome to Sound Heal Podcast. I am your host, Natalie Brown, and thank you so much for joining me as we continue to explore the fields of sound healing, sound therapy, and generally the use of sound for health and wellness. Today's episode has Rick Plouts as our guest, who is an intuitive sound healing practitioner using the sound of crystal bowls and music to resonate with vocal toning to create really a rich and unique experience for participants. We explore Rick's journey through both his hobbies and his background and his spiritual exploration merging into the path that he is on now. He has some really fascinating stories about these things that have sparked some really aha moments in his life and his understanding of humanity, of our purpose here on earth, our balance of the mind and the body, the masculine and the feminine. We also talk about uh, kind of the hot topic of uh, those uh, those of us in this field calling ourselves sound healers versus sound healing practitioners. And at the end of this, podcast, you will also get to experience uh, a bit of a sound meditation from Rick. So really nice to have him offer that as well. And if you're listening to this as audio only, you might want to go to YouTube at the end of this to also watch the visuals he's created for the sound meditation. This podcast is sponsored by the Ohm Shop and Spa, located in Sarasota, Florida, as well as online at theomshop.com. The Ohm Shop has uh, the country's largest showroom of vibrational medicine tools. You can also see all their products online, as well as see what trainings and classes they have coming up. So thank you so much to the Ohm Shop for their support and sponsorship of this podcast. Please enjoy this episode with Rick Plouts. All right, Rick. Well, from what I understand, you've really had both hobbies and passions as well as intuition and various sparks uh, lead you to where you are now. So maybe take us as far back as you want to when it comes to um, those things that were influential to you, both in music and sound, uh, but also, you know, spiritually and in the wellness domain as well. So wherever you want to start. Okay. Um, first of all, thanks for having me. Um, I will say, I'm trying to think. In high school, I played drums in like, you know, high school bands. This was like in the late 90s. So I was I always loved performance and live music. Um, my dad plays. He still plays in bands, actually. He's like 72. So we kind of like have a history of performers. Um, and then, you know, I I grew up and had a career and kids and everything and like forgot about performance. Um, and so from a musical perspective, I always, I would, I dabbled in the piano. I always loved drums. Like I think it was percussion for whatever reason was, was my thing. And um, it always was in the back of my head. I wanted to go back and and make some kind of music. 
And so that was there from, you know, early on. It's funny, my parents have like a video when I was like five of like just taking sticks and playing, like hitting the couch, like a drum set with these sticks, you know, like it felt like it went all the way back to like a, just being a little kid. Um, and the spiritual aspect for me, um, was always, I felt like separate. It was, I didn't connect it to music, um, until way later in life, but spiritually, um, <laughs> I, you know, what is it? 2007, 2008, I was, I got way into the Mayan calendar, you know, the, and so I was doing a lot of YouTubing. Well, at that point, it wasn't really YouTube at that point. It was more like just internet research um, about the Mayan calendar and the, and the quote unquote end of the world in 2012 and everything. And so that was kind of like the beginning of the you know my my spiritual path in a way um well I, you know what even before that okay so i grew up in utah and i live in virginia now but i grew up in utah and whenever i say it to anybody they're always like are you mormon I'm like no i'm i'm not not mormon so it's now it's always like i grew up in utah no i'm not mormon but even even at that age like understanding that religion for me was it somehow didn't make sense to me, you know, and organized religion. I remember, I don't know. I just always had a, I had a major problem with it. And I couldn't ever verbalize it. Um, and I ended up reading many lives, many masters <laughs> kind of by accident. I would say like maybe 12, but age 12 or 13 or something. And that really hit me. That was kind of like, this feels like the truth. Um, and so I think that actually, as far as like the spiritual question was the beginning. And then that kind of links into later in life, the Mayan calendar. And then when YouTube really took off, I went way down the 9-11, JFK, like all the classics, I feel like, of of conspiracy theories. And and what I realized was in that, and there was this very specific moment when, you know, I realized that like, whether it was true or not about JFK or 9-11, whatever it was, like there was evil in the world and I understood it at an emotional level at that point. And this is like around 2012. Um, and that for me was kind of like what I realized now was like the dark night of the soul. It was like, you have that moment where you're, you know, all your beliefs are shattered. You've been lied to your whole life and nothing that you agree with or believe is is true you know it's it's all been a lie and that was like a very you know I, I remember reading about this years later like it's usually a very depressive like dark moment in someone's life and you have to over time kind of build up your own belief system from there um and so i was that guy at parties you know, before this, at least, uh, being like, 9-11 was an inside job, JFK, blah, blah, blah. Like, like everyone knows that guy. And I was that guy. And, and then I realized at some point, like, that doesn't help anybody. And it just makes you sound crazy. So um, I would say, like, my spiritual path has been 
very long, but, and, and I think for everybody, like it's a lifetime journey um, to understanding what you believe in. But in that process for me of kind of going down that YouTube rabbit hole path around 2012, I discovered these books by Barbara Marciniak, these channeled texts um, that she claims were from a group of Pleiadians that were channeling through her like a message for humanity. I'm not even sure how those came into my possession, but it was kind of like, you know, the Mayan calendar thing was a big deal for me. I was in a huge, I was like in this very like deep search for truth and what was actually happening and, and what was true in the world. <clears throat> and, and those books showed up. And so that became my religion in a way. Um, but I wouldn't, you know, I don't want to call it religion, but it's just more of like, this became a belief system, my spiritual path. There was something, to, something about extraterrestrials for me that I've always believed were, um, you know, I guess I, I skew towards the kind of like Graham Hancock world of like feeling like extraterrestrials have been here the whole time and they've helped us progress as a, as a human race and all that kind of stuff. Um, and so, re, you know, in the last few years, really since like 2018, I would say my musical and spiritual paths have started to intertwine. And um, I've only been doing sound bass in front of people for about two years, not even that really, but it's been this long process of kind of being, I feel like I've been given downloads or images in my head of like things that I think would be great and really fun to do. And then realizing later, like those are actually like intuitive kind of guides guiding me along this path. And like, here I am right now in, I've started doing it and it's taken years to finally step forward and, and start doing it. Do you think, perhaps kind of leaning into finding your way of understanding humanity and the world, you know, through Barbara's books and others. Is that what opened you up to your intuition? Do you think, and really understanding that the you're being led on your path? Those were kind of the aha moments. Yeah, there was one specific moment I remember it was like, I think 2016, maybe 2015. No, anyway, I think it was 2014, actually. Anyway, I was mowing my lawn and I had been reading. I, so I'd moved on from the Barbara Marciniak books and I'd gone into um, this lady named Amora Kwan Yin. And she had made this, written this book about kind of like energy healing from like a Pleiadian perspective. Um and I was reading it and, I, and you know, I was way into that stuff at that point. And I remember just like thinking about the book while I was mowing my lawn. And then this kind of like lightning bolt of, you know, inspiration, like a Eureka moment hit me. It was like an epiphany that like, I need to start a church. And the church needs to be like based off of all the stuff that I'm reading and <clears throat> have it be not a typical church that you would assume, but a church of like the, of 
of that would allow people to to experience the transcendent and whatever that was and so that was kind of like that was a major it still is like the kind of most i don't know i would say life altering or you know it's like the clearest sense of like i was struck with with some kind of almost like extra dimensional you know piece of lightning i don't know what it was it was fascinating you know like it, it was like that you read about people having eureka moments or like epiphanies and it was like okay this is one of those um and but that was i would say 2014 whatever and so it took another four years for me to understand that like playing music while meditating and then humming along to that music does something very profound i'm not sure what it is it happened to me the first time and so like it was like the mowing the lawn moment to like the meditation moment took four years and then the meditation moment to right now took another you know three years or so to get to and so i think like there's like this kind of you're kind of like given information and given like tidbits, but you still have to walk along the path. And it's not like you can do it. You can't do it by yourself and you can't have someone else do it. And it was kind of like that sense of, I guess you could say co-creation doing it, like understanding like the end goal. And also understanding that you have to take the steps yourself and overcome your own fears and, and like shyness and everything to get there. Yeah, what kind of music were you listening to? And I suppose, what were you trying to achieve? Did you have almost an intention of the benefits you were looking for as you were seeking out that music? So maybe let's talk about what music inspired you first before we talk about your music. It was um, isochronic tones. And they were, which had come up, I had gone down another, like this is a Spotify rabbit hole of like, you know, binaural beats, meditation tones, and then isochronic tones. And it was just, um, it was a 741 Hertz was like, apparently what the frequency was. I laid on my couch and I was, it's a 20 minute song. And I just started laying there and I was humming along to it. And as I was humming, I remember like, I woke up after some amount of time. And I was like, oh, I put myself to sleep without knowing it. This feels like it's important. And then from there, I started realizing like, okay, well, okay, singing singing's a big deal. Making vibrations in your chest with your throat does something that's more powerful than just listening to music, like actually partaking in it and not really having to sing notes or words, but just a single tone felt more approachable for people and just something that um i really enjoyed doing so that was like the beginning and then i would get these images in my head of like okay get like a quartz bowl find the find a bowl that matches the frequency of this song and and ring that bowl and sing a note at the same time um and then and then i saw another image in my head of like doing it on stage in front of like maybe 500 people, maybe a thousand people, like some kind of outdoor venue. And then they were all doing it at the same time too. And that was something that was like 
man, that feels like it would be amazing to hear, like a really powerful experience of group toning and kind of melding live performance venues with sound healing. Um, for me, it was like, that sounds like a blast and something that people would really enjoy. And this was like probably 2019 when I had that kind of image in my head. So that's where I, that's, that's like where I'm heading. Um, and again, this is like still a long process of, of like, am I, am I good enough? Can I do this? You know, like the, all these typical questions people get, but um, that's, that's kind of like the image that I'm, I'm walking towards right now. And what opportunities have you had? I mean, you have been in front of people with your bowls and singing and getting them singing. So how has that developed for you? Well, the funny part is um, people don't like to do it. And I think it's, well, I wouldn't say they don't like to do it. I think, I think it's a larger issue of, I think I would say society, just thinking about like, you're not supposed to speak out in these social situations, like in this social situation where you, you go to a yoga studio or you go somewhere, you're just supposed to lay down and like participate passively, you know? And it's kind of like, I, <laughs> cause I started doing it. I, I, I put together my kind of like session that I wanted to do. And I went and I asked a yoga studio, can I do this? And they were cool with it. And so like, I was able, the first time I ever did anything, it sold out like, you know, immediately. It was like, so I had a full class that was really cool. You know, I didn't do any kind of promoting and no one knew me and it just happened. But like, I show up there, I'm like, okay, everybody, we're going to sing together. And nobody did it. <laughs> and like, uh, it was kind of like, and I, and I didn't mind. I was like, okay, this is more, this is not a me problem. This is like a society thing. This is not them. This is not them either. This is like understanding that there has to be a space and, and kind of like an agreement socially that it's okay to do this and that i think i don't know i mean the the inability or the the perceived inability to speak up in 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 those type of situations i think is is kind of fascinating it speaks to a larger social problem i would say a problem but um the thing that's interesting too is like people are like well i don't know how to sing and it's kind of like well you're not really you're not singing. There's no words to learn. You know, there's not a song to learn. You're just making a noise that feels good on your body. Um, and so, I mean, and long story short, I, it's, I moved away from doing that. I'm just like, now I'm just like, this is a sound bath where I do a vocal toning. You're welcome to join in. Um, and so I'm working on understanding the situation that needs to happen for people to be okay doing that. And I think, you know, what I've thought about too is kind of having singers, like people that are comfortable singing, like as kind of plants in, in the, in the crowd. And, you know, like I haven't done it yet, but I'm just thinking about like, it's more, it's not, it's not manipulating them. It's more of like providing the permission to be like, you can do this, you know, is, is the interesting part. Yeah. I think, Gosh, that's a huge topic, isn't it? I think in part, it goes to this idea that whatever modality somebody's going to, um, 
they want that person to fix whatever it is to offer the healing and they just receive um, they're seeing you as the mechanic in a way you're going to be the offerer and they don't participate at all but actually a big aspect of this work is their you know participation and their perhaps responsibility in the healing um and so many people are starting to realize that i think that you know rather than um being a sound healer we're helping facilitate the self the self healing of the participants right and so i think that's kind of where you're at with um and i think that's very common that people will go to a sound bath to to lay down and receive and that's beautiful and that's wonderful but that's right what what can they do on their own to facilitate their own self healing right yeah <sighs> this is like a hot topic for me because like on my website i say i'm not a sound healer i i provide the space for you to heal yourself you know and Oh man, there's a lot there that you just said, because <clears throat> yeah, I think, I don't know where it came from, but I feel like it's some kind of, it's cultural or societal of like, I'm, I'm a healer. People come to me to, to get fixed. And it's like, no, not at all, you know, and, and, and you shouldn't think that anybody else should be able to fix you outside of your, outside of yourself. Definitely. Like, it's it's so disempowering to think that we have to rely on experts to fix us. Um, and we've gotten so used to it and it's it's part of our culture and society to to think that. And and so yeah, I mean it really it really bugs me. Not the people that come, but like the people that say they're healers, because you're not a healer. You're just a person that provides very very special situations and space and and an event and, and a healing modality but the people heal themselves and I, I i really i really hate to say i'm a sound healer like i don't i made very clear like i'm not a sound healer i'm a sound bath facilitator i provide the the space and the experience for you to heal yourself and i and i really caution strongly against anyone that is selling themselves as a course and as a healer that you should trust them and the thing is i think a lot of people do have good intentions um in that but a lot of people don't have good intentions and i think as people i've understood since the pandemic that we need a lot of help there's a mental health crisis in many ways for affecting basically everybody, I feel like people need some kind of help. Um, and they've been looking to healers, quote unquote, to do that. Um, a lot of money has flown into this type of um, industry in good ways and bad. Um, and it's just, it's, it honestly kind of discourages me sometimes because you're just like, you know, people, have been kind of preying on people that actually need that actually want help and need it. And there's people out there that are legitimately trying to offer it, but they're being drowned out by, you know, grifters. 
And I wonder what you think about that. Yeah, I mean, I think there is going to be that in probably every field that we see, right? But it's learning how to discern and make that that judgments for ourselves and and trust our gut feelings. And um, yeah, I think that is the most important question, though. Um, how do we help people be open to receiving, to allow themselves to let go? Um, of course, there can be miracle healings of all kinds, but that person receiving does need to be open and allowing that and partic participating actively in their own healing. And, you know, that's a huge part of what I teach and, you know, the training that, that I offer. Um, but I think it is a concern in this field that there's, um, there's all kinds <laughs> of things going on and a, a lot of people, you know, just claiming to be sound healers. Um, and, and people actually having bad experiences uh, as well. Um, and I think when it comes to vocal work and having, you know, having people kind of fearful to participate, I do think um, the voice itself, um, finding a way to get people to, to use it and find their personal power through their voice. I think um, if we can find ways to do that, that's going to be a huge asset to our humanity, right? Because that's a big constriction for the majority of people, I think. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. Yeah. Well, I also think it's not just singing, you know, it's it's the act of expression in general that's being limited. And that's I don't know, it's I guess the throat the throat chakra in general is is that as the act of expression and kind of like not just speaking, but how do you show up, you know, in life as yourself? Like, can you, do you feel comfortable showing up in the world as, as your authentic self? Um, and, you know, I just feel like we're so conditioned to be a certain way. It's, it is like an act of radical bravery to do that. Yeah, and I think it is demonstrated by the voice in a way, and you're right, not just singing, you know, uh, you can see kids are using the, their voice all the time to just release sounds, to uh, sing themselves a lullaby, you know, for kind of coping, uh, but as we go to school or in our home environment, we're basically told to constrict, you know, hold it in, um, and we grow up that way, so I think we're in a, a time of um, allowing ourselves to have those gasps and scream as loud as we can, whether when we stub our toe, like whatever it is, like we need to find ways to move and direct our energy instead of hold it in. And I, I think the voice or breathing is one of the most powerful ways to do that. Yeah. Mm. yeah. Oh yeah. That's one thing from the, so the bringers of the dawn was, is my favorite book from Barbara Marciniak. And one of the things that they say, the Pleiadians say in the book is whatever, like whenever there's a any kind of authority asking you to subjugate yourself in like and submit to a higher authority, whatever that is, is already dangerous, you know. And like they're like, we're here to remind you that you're under your own authority and you're sovereign to yourself. 
Um, and this kind of plays back into that sense of like healers and needing someone to help you. And, and it, that's kind of like a, that's a submission to a higher authority too. That's I think kind of dangerous in the same way of like, like you were just saying with kids and how like our school system and everything like slowly kind of chips away at that. Um, yeah, I mean, it's, it's everywhere. So it's, that's what I'm saying. Like, it's a really, it's a, it's a, you know, kind of, it takes a lot of work and work on yourself and, and concerted effort to find other ways to, I wouldn't say combat that, but like really just find yourself, you know, and, and discern, like you were saying from, from authority figures that are telling you what to do versus ones that are trying to help you and, and empower yourself. And I think self-empowerment um, feels like it's kind of on the rise after COVID. Yeah, we're definitely in a time where people are starting to realize that and try to find their own way. I suppose whether it's sound healing or spiritual wellness in general, maybe somebody just trying to dip their toes into it. What, what would you recommend? What do you think is, how do we find that, you know, personal judgment uh, and, and making those decisions of which sound practitioner we would go to or um, not falling into a, a guru healer trap, <laughs> <laughs> you know? I know, right? That's so hard. Because um, I think really the answer to that in my opinion is um is getting in touch with your intuition you know and so before i think you can find a sound healer or anyone that you feel like any kind of modality that you'd want to engage in it's kind of like understanding what um your intuition is looking for and i think for me when i say intuition i think more about it's really just what your body wants um, I like one of my philosophies that's helped me through life that might help other people is, um, I look at the body as something as intelligent and, and self-aware It has its own emotions and dreams and character and personality as the mind does. And well, and we go I think we're kind of like a mind forward society where, you know, the mind is like, it uses words and logic and like imagery and, and things like that to communicate. Um, so we're very used to like understanding what the mind wants, but the body is speaks in like sensation and movement and, and feeling, you know? And so I think, again, we've, we've disconnected ourselves from, from how to communicate with the body in that way. So it's like, when I say trying to get back in touch with your intuition, it's really more of like, how does, what is the, what is your body telling you? What does it really want to do? You know? And there's a, like a message that I tell myself is like the mind stuffs the body with sugar and carbs and alcohol and cigarettes to soothe itself when all the body wants to do is dance. And what I've realized, that's just, that's what I realized my body wants. Like I, I, I dance and I get in a lot of trouble sometimes <laughs> because of like when it, when the, when the music hits, 
in a certain way, I lose control and I, and I'm happy about it. And it's, it's joyous. It's like pure joy. And I, and then dancing is a big one for a lot of people, but it's not for everybody. And so it's kind of like, what is the thing that your body wants to do the most? And, and it's almost like you're having a date with yourself where it's like you spend, you put time away, you put time aside to get touch with your body, whatever that is, you know, like that begins the relationship with between the mind and the body in the sense that you listen to what the body wants, you allow it to speak and you, and you kind of re-engage in a conversation that we've all forgotten or like has been, I don't know, discouraged, I guess. And so like, that's where you start. I feel like is what does the body want? And I think for me, that's why it's taken so long to get to this point in my life because I didn't trust what my intuition was because I didn't know what that voice was. And there was so many other competing voices in my head, not knowing which one I should listen to. <clears throat> um, so I think that's where, that's why there's so many different things. There's, you know, yoga, breath work, sound baths. Um, I mean, everything, like even just light shows, even like going to EDM shows is its own type of therapy. And so like, I would just say, um, once you get down into understanding what your body wants, it ends up becoming a really exciting journey of like, okay, let's break out of these patterns and find something new. And I think that's kind of where the universe steps in and like just stuff shows up. And that's also exciting, I think. Yeah, I think the majority of us are a bit off balance where we have kind of a more weight towards our mind, what's going on with our thoughts. You know, that seems to be the thing in control. Um, and a lot of times we have built in skepticism and, and doubts and, and fears and all that. Right. Um, but if we can come into our, our body and our body responses, our, our gut reactions and intuition. Yeah, you're right. Um, there can be a really beautiful, um, uh, a balance there that reminds me of something that you had mentioned when we first spoke about your ayahuasca experience it seemed to really kind of give you a message about the mind and body did you want to share that sure no yeah. i think um that okay so um in the ceremonies that i've gone to it takes place over three nights right so you do three separate ceremonies um, on three nights in a row. <clears throat> and so what was fascinating was I had like an intention of a thing that I wanted to, you know, explore and that happened. And then also this other thing was happening too at the same time. And, and it took place over three nights in like this kind of three act structure. And it was just like fascinating how complex it is, you know, like, Cause I, I mean, I really do believe like you're, you're coming in contact with some kind of intelligence. It's not, and it's a benevolent intelligence. Um, it's not just some kind of chemical reaction in your body. And so the first night um, I had, you know, it was just getting started. Like you're just kind of settling into the experience for the weekend. And the first kind of message I got, and the first night was like, before you're born, 
a mind is paired with a body and um and that was kind of it <clears throat> and so i was like thinking about that i was like that's interesting um it makes sense it's not like anything super crazy and then the second night same thing was happening where like i'm having kind of like two parallel realizations and one of them feels like a download and the one feels like what's more for me and so the second night was you know basically where i started to realize that the mind stuffs the body with all these different types of vices to soothe itself because it doesn't have anything it can't like it doesn't have a body it's just a mind it and it doesn't even mean that it's a brain it's just like it's like an intelligence or the consciousness inside of the body and so like it doesn't have anything it can't do anything without the body and like <clears throat> so the the mind kind of like has to use the body to soothe itself and it does all these really unhealthy things and in that process the body um you know starts to just do what the mind wants and in that in in that process the body kind of gets addicted to those things too and so like this was like going on and then and then about halfway through it just showed up like it, it became this like um it became this like relationship where the mind was the husband and the body was the wife and like, and the mind and the husband was abusive and the husband shamed the wife in front of the mirror for not looking the way that he wanted her to look, or he was unhappy with his own life. And so he would have, you know, he would do some kind of, abusive things to his wife because he couldn't handle himself. And it was just like, it became this, it was like this really, you know, abusive relationship. And, and it was a marriage and the marriage was going on for as long as I had been alive. And so it was like a 38 year marriage where over time the wife had just gradually given up on speaking out about what she wanted or, you know, just having any kind of voice and then just, just kind of gave up and just became the meat puppet for the mind. And it was a really, it was just a really kind of humbling realization of like, I have been abusing you in this relationship for so long because I can't figure my own stuff out. And so it was like this just kind of, it was like at the near the end of the night, it was like became couples therapy. And I was like, I'm just going to sit here. I'm going to listen to what you have to say, because I know I haven't been listening and haven't been a very good partner for a long time. And it was really, you know, it was, it was humbling because it really did feel like that. It was like, we're, we're at like a very dark period in our relationship. And I understand that now, and I'm here to listen. And then like, you know, <clears throat> and it wasn't really anything that the body had to say. It was just getting to that point of being like, okay, I understand. I'm, 
I've messed up. I want to just hear what you have to say. And it was like, and then the kind of final thought of that night was like, till death do us part. And it was like, obviously, this is a marriage. This is like the first sacred union was like the the way that it came out. And it's like, the whole, all the vows you hear, if you apply that to your mind and your body, it's, it's the whole thing, you know? And the last part was till death do us part. And so that was just like, oh my God, okay. And so that has that kind of how it ended in the second night. And the third night, you know, my my intention for that night was, I think, I forgot how I put it exactly, but it was like, um, I'm going to, we're going to do couples therapy tonight. We're going to do a couples retreat <clears throat> and whatever, like whatever comes up, I'm going to let my wife like choose. And <laughs> the funny part was, as it starts to, to like kick in, I can, my, my, I have like a very clear image of, of my wife now, my body. It's like a, it's like an embodied, beautiful woman. And she's like kind of ripped and like athletic. And she's like, if you want to really commit to this experience, you need to get up and move like right now. And I was kind of like, I don't know about that because, you know, people just kind of lay here when they do this. They don't really get up and do anything, you know? And she got really mad at me. <laughs> she was like, you need to get up and do this right now. And, and so I had, I had to go and find somewhere like away from everybody to go to like be active basically. And um, I was like, I'm going to commit. Yes. Like whatever you want, you know? And my body was like, give me 10 burpees right now. And so I am like very affected by ayahuasca at this point. And I just all of a sudden like goes sober, super sharp. And I just started doing burpees, like the best burpees I've ever done. And over the next like two hours, I don't know. It was just like this yoga, but stretching, but like dancing too. And I don't know, man, it was fascinating. And I, it was definitely like a, it wasn't like I was possessed, but I still like, I, I like surrendered. I still had control, but I just kind of surrendered. And it was just like this really amazing, just physical act of, of like, just moving my body around and realizing how amazing that is to be um, just to be able to move, to move in any way. And then realizing how powerful just what physical, what being physical means is kind of like how everything is decided in this world. It's fascinating. You know, like if you want to look like an army soldier, then you march. Like it's a physical movement. Like if you're going to be a dancer, then like that's, that's a physical movement. You know, like, like you convey who you are and what you're trying to communicate by how you're by body language, you know, like exactly like body language. And so it was just understanding that on like such a deep and profound level was, was just so like fascinating and to be able to fully be in contact with my body like that when a conversation and not just a conversation, but like a, like a relationship, like a marriage, it was just like, Oh my God, this is amazing. And 
you know, I mean, that, and it's been two years since that happened. And I've, you know, I've fallen back into my ways and then come back out. And like, it's, I've come back down into earth and done the normal stuff. Like, but just that, I don't know, it was that experience of, of being in contact with the physical vehicle that you currently occupy on this planet. I think, and me especially, like we all take it for granted of what, what it actually is. It's a miracle. And you're right. It's a, a relationship, isn't it? The balance of the mind and the body, but also how you experienced it, the masculine and the feminine, you know, within us. Um, and a lot of people struggle with that or don't even realize that they, yes, we all have masculine feminine. We all have to figure out this, this balance of, of mind and body. So that's pretty profound experience. Even if it was a couple of years ago, I'm sure it still comes into your awareness, you know? So, yeah. No, I still, still does. And like, yeah, I totally just, it was, yeah, that was, a, that was the other profound realization was like, oh, this is the masculine and feminine playing out in, in real time, like in my body and my mind. And this is how it works. Like it doesn't need to be a, a like homosexual or heterosexual relationship. It's about the masculine parts of you and the feminine parts of you that we all have and how we can balance them together. And I think there's like, I feel like that's kind of what's happening with this kind of like gender fluidity awakening going on is like people are understanding that they have both and, and there's no tools again, that society gives us to figure this out on our own. And we're all, it's all happening like in front of us in, in, in public because it's like new. I think it's really fascinating. I mean, sure. It's, you know, needlessly painful for people going through it for no reason but like it's incredibly brave i think to watch as well and people are having more and more support to experience it because it is more um being talked about and out, out in the open that we can lean into our strengths and that's what it's all about being alive is 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 leaning into who we really are so yeah mm-hmm. Um, so let's, let's kind of, uh, get ourselves ready. We're going to experience, um, a bit of your sound, your sound meditation here at the end. So maybe talk a little bit about how you are creating music, but you also have this visual aspect to your work as well, because I, I, you're a 2d, 3d, uh, designer. So maybe talk about how that element, those elements have, have come together for you. Yes. Thank you. Um, so my day job is in motion design. So 2D, 3D animation. Um, and um, I've always loved it. And, I, and I've only just recently combined it with sound baths. And so, I've, you know, again, one more thing that I've like off in the distance being like, this could be really cool if I could do it. And then like slowly making it happen. But yeah, basically making looping visuals that are meditative maybe hypnotic a little bit that that supplement the sound bath music um so i can put it you know i put them on youtube as a way to just allow people to listen to it i've I've started doing i have visuals like i have a projector um in my sound baths for lights but it's it's a like a night light right now like i'm gonna get a projector and make these looping visuals that I can then project on the walls and the ceiling 
for sound baths. But yeah, so combining my 3D and 2D motion design experience with sound baths is like another exciting thing that I've started doing. And so uh, do you want to mention anything about the the sounds and the video that, that we'll have here at the end? Yeah, it's just going to be, <clears throat> so I have like, um, it's a, it's a song that I play at the beginning of sound bass where I, I kind of, it's a guided meditation in a way. It's like, just kind of gets you in the mood. And then, um, at a certain, at near the end of that meditation, I start to do the bowls that match the song. And then I, I sing a note as well. So like in this song that I'll present, it's going to have the intro meditation and then the rest of it will be, um, the bowls and my and vocal toning and please if you would like you can join in and, and hum or sing along we highly encourage that yes we highly encourage <laughs> that well okay so yeah we'll experience that now and enjoy that now any uh, final things you want to mention about how to follow your work or any anything coming up for you as well um so my website is thebell.garden um, as opposed to .com, it's, it's just the bell.garden and that's where I have everything. And Instagram is the same. It's also on there. I've got some sound samples there. So yeah, the website's the place. Um, and I just really, really appreciate the time. Thank you. It's been great to talk with you and, and hear about your inspirations and your, yeah, the sparks it's been, uh, a really cool journey that's leading you somewhere very very cool i'm excited for you yeah <laughs> thank you so much oh wonderful thank you thank you yes you too thank you yeah society has taught us that we can't heal ourselves that we must rely on experts to provide us relief we are constantly overstimulated, distracted, and stressed. Our nervous system is fried. This is on purpose. This is to keep us reeling and constantly in survival mode. The body is a miracle, but we must give it space to do its magic. Experiences like this provide that space, that break to engage in the empowering process of self-healing. I use sound to heal, but I'm not a healer. Only you can do that. To provide that space for our bodies to heal, we're going to take three deep breaths right now. sound frequencies trigger the body. These vibrations help to take the body out of fight or flight and into rest and digest. What I'm going to do today is play music, ring these quartz bowls, and sing a tone that matches. 
frequencies will create the sound bath and ultimately entrain your brainwave patterns to put you in a liminal state, a pleasant state between waking and dreaming, to provide profound clarity and relaxation. If you feel like humming along or singing, please do. It will only help the cleansing process. If anything comes up emotionally, it's part of the healing and should be welcomed. Set an intention for this experience. Mine will be to act as a humble vessel, channeling light to those around me. If you don't have an intention, think about someone you care about on the best day of their lives and what that is for them, and then wish it for them. So get in a comfortable position, either lying down or sitting, and let these sounds wash over you. Let's get started.
Thank you for tuning into this episode of Sounds Heal Podcast, sponsored by the Ohm Shop and Spa. Keep up to date with what's coming up next at soundshealstudio.com. Check things out on Facebook at Sounds Heal Studio. And you can listen to all previous podcasts as well as music meditations on the YouTube channel at Sounds Heal Studio. Be well and stay tuned. <laughs>